Well, hey, everybody. Beards and Dunn are back for episode number three. You know, I can't believe how time's flying. Hey, Beards, how are you doing today? Don, I'm doing great. Yeah. Can you believe it? Uh, our third podcast already, and it's been a ball, and I hope the folks that have been listening or watching on YouTube are enjoying it as much as you and I are enjoying <laughs> it. This has been a, a riot for me. I really do. You know, Dick and I have had, a, we've conversed with, you, with each other since 1978, and as we grew apart geographically, you know, we'd chat on the phone all pretty regularly, but, you know, I, I think I read something where about... A good friend is somebody you may not see or talk to for long periods of time. And then when you see him, it's like it was just yesterday. And that's always the way I felt with beards, you know, because we have gone. It seems hard to believe, but we have gone months, I think, when I'm busy, you're busy, life's going on. And then all at once, it's like, geez, I haven't talked to the beards forever. And, And so we connect and it's just like we talked the two days ago. And Don, that's what's so neat about doing this podcast is where we get to talk with each other at least once a week. <laughs> it's like a forced visit with the beards, which is not forced at all. But well, hey, let's kind of let's get going here because I, I know uh, I've got lots of questions and, and thoughts because you know we ended up last episode, you know, kind of our first episode talked about high school primarily, and then the second episode we talked about our early college days. You were at Wasika in the University of Minnesota at Wasika. I was at South Dakota State and. And, you know, we were doing, our running was coming along. It was developing. I know I was progressing and I, you definitely were progressing. And then, you know, um, it got to be 1977. That would have been your last year at Wasika. That was my junior year at SDSU. And uh, we got second at the National Cross Country Meet Division II that year. Um, you know, just, it was, Mike Bills always rose to the occasion. He was our top runner. Um, Mark Bills, unfortunately, our junior year, he came down with a stress fracture right before the national meet. And it was kind of strange. It was, he could run on it, but it was painful. So they kept him off running as much as possible. I know I remember they had him in the deep end of the pool at the college there, trying to maintain his cardiovascular fitness by running in the deep end of the pool. So he wasn't putting any sure. pressure on that, but by maintaining his cardiovascular fitness. And um, I tell you, Mark took one for the team. Cause he lined up at the starting line at our national meet. And it was in um, just East of Chicago or South end of Chicago. And uh, he ran on a broken foot Oof-ta. and he was, he was our number three runner. You know, Mike was our number one runner. I think he finished in the top. I know he was a top 10 finishers in that meet. I was our number two runner. And if you, if you go to our extras, a little podcast, uh, a little blog, we put on our website, I kind of describe. I had a really good race. I took off right from the get-go and felt great. You know, it was one of those days when everything's clicking. And I gradually, by the five-mile mark of a 10K, I'd move myself, and Dick knows what's going to happen here. I got myself into 25th position because, you know, when you're you're counting runners and your coach is saying, hey, you're, you know, 27th, 20th, hey, you're 25th place. And I was in 25th place, top 25 are all American. And so that's kind of a, a nice feather to have Absolutely. in your cap, something you can you know, always have that honor. And with a mile to go, I had moved into all-American position. Every coach on that course pointed their hand at me <laughs> and was screaming at the top of their lungs to their runners behind me. There's that guy's 25th. I had this huge target on my back. <laughs> and I got to be honest, I was kind of going, shh, shh, you guys, no, be, don't say anything. You know, I was, I, don't, I was hoping they'd be quiet. Well, long story short, I was, you know, I was at my, you know, you're running at your threshold. You're going as fast as you can and knowing you got to make it to the finish line. Three guys, I got passed by three runners in the last oh. mile. I know. I was 10 seconds out of All-American then and finished in 28th place. And uh, Mark Bills on a broken foot finished 42nd. Now, Mark was an All-American the year before, and he's going to go on and become an All-American his senior year. Mike was three-time All-American. Mark was a two-time All-American, but there's no way you'll ever convince me that if he hadn't ran, was not running on a broken foot, he wouldn't have been All-American that year. I know right. he'd have been a, he would have been right with me, if not definitely ahead of me, up by his brother. And so because of his, you know, talk about taking one for the team, because of his high finish despite his injury, we ended up second at the national meet. So we'd gone from ninth as freshmen to fifth as sophomores, our little group of, of runners. And then we were second. And uh, we were pretty pumped. I got to admit, at that, you know, when you finish second, we, we barely got second. It was only by a few points, but it didn't matter. And, no. And the first place team was kind of out of sight. 
And uh, we graduated two seniors, though, um, off of our team that year. So, you know, we're looking forward to our senior year, Mike and Mark Bills and myself. And, and um, you know, Joel Brandt was now coming up. He was a freshman that year. We got second. So he's going to be a sophomore the next year. So he's, we know he's going to get faster and stronger. So we had four really solid guys to come back. But we, you know, Andy was, and he saw it too. He said, we need one more guy. And so somehow or another, <laughs> Andy got connected with, and this is what I want you to take over, Dick, because you came then. You were the one more guy we were looking for. You know, we needed somebody that can walk onto our team, and we didn't have a year or two to, to develop them like right. a freshman coming in. We need somebody that was a varsity runner from the get-go and could, you know, would definitely contribute. And so I've never really heard, how did you end up at SDSU? Other than Coach Underwood and Coach Folkrod had a conversation kind of, and what led after that? Yeah, so done. So, and I think it was the fall of, must have been the 77. 77, yeah. yeah. Fall of 77, our, uh, our cross country team from UMW, University of Minnesota, Waseca, we traveled out to Brookings, which wasn't all that far from Waseca, pretty much straight west. And we ran into SDSU Invitational, I believe it was. And I finished fifth overall. The first four runners in front of me were all SDSU people, <laughs> but I but I finished fifth. So I was the first non-SDSU runner, and I think that caught Coach Underwood's eye because after that, he started making contact even more and more with Coach Folkrod. I, if I remember right, he called me a, a number of times and wanted to know if I would be interested in coming out there, and, and I, I really didn't have a lot of interest in going on to – to college you know I really didn't want to go to college in the first place and then I, I really didn't want to go but I thought you know my running was I was really into running at the time and I thought well gosh this way I can at least keep my running going anyhow so coach Underwood offered me a, par a partial scholarship and so I, uh, I I went out looked at the campus and I was impressed with it and they had a dairy science program out there so I, I, I got in that, and I was a, a, what do they call them, an RA? Yeah, resident assistant in the dorm. Yeah. You're kind of like the supervisor for a, a, a floor of the dormitory. Yeah, so I, I got that, and I think some meal money or a meal plan or something like that. So, I mean, it was, you know, that, that in itself is worth quite a bit of money. So I decided to go out there, and um, I, uh, I ran all that summer, and... Um, I was I was excited to to get out there and and run with a you know a, a, an NCAA Division two squad that was known for its excellence, especially in cross country. Well, awesome! And I I really kind of didn't see how that all fell into place until now, and and then of course we started. No, we knew you were on the team because we had a um, Jay Dirksen had started it uh, a tradition. It was a tradition. It was <laughs> required he would give us postcards as we left in the spring for summer vacation, one for, you know, they were self-addressed stamped postcards and you would write your mileage down every week and you'd throw that thing in the mailbox on Monday morning <laughs> and he would get it probably Wednesday, Thursday. He would type up a newsletter, throw it in the mailbox and in our mail, the following Monday would be a newsletter and it lists all the runners and their mileage for that I guess it'd be two weeks before now because we were in the middle of the next week when the newsletter came in. Right. And so we could see, and I think Jay's idea was, you know, it was definitely motivational because you, if you saw in there, your teammates are running 50 miles a week and you just put in a 30 mile week, you'd kind of go, man, I got to up my game a little bit because right. everybody's training pretty well. Um, and, it, and, you know, there'd be little notes if somebody ran in their local hometown 4th of July road race or something like that. Jay and Undy really tried to discourage summer road races because they knew how hard we were going to work in the fall. And you didn't want to, you know, shoot all your bullets off in the spring, right. in the summertime when it really wasn't going to get you anything other than, you know, just the fun of racing and, and having a good time at your local road race or whatever. But if you didn't do that, you know, Jay always said, just run through it. Don't, you know, you're, you know, don't take it too seriously. And so we would do that. And so I would really look forward to getting that newsletter. And, you know, I was kind of the big mileage guy. I had to run a lot of miles. I, I, I always said I kind of made up for my lack of talent with just quantity. I had to That's do a me lot too. of miles. Yeah, you know, you couldn't just lay back and assume you're going to maintain your fitness. You had to keep working on it. And, and I had run in the, in the fall of 77. I went down to Phoenix, Arizona and ran a 224 marathon at the Fiesta Bowl Marathon. 
And, uh, and so I, I was, you know, I was really into the marathon and long distance. And so that first summer, and I was team captain, um, the summer of 78 or yeah, going into the fall of 78 when you were coming. Yes. So I wanted to set a good example, you know, for the team and put in my miles. I would have done it anyway. But so, you know, I think that first, and I, I don't remember the exact numbers, but let's just say, I think I probably ran like 70 miles that first week of the summer. And, and then I saw this Dick Birdsley had ran like 75 and I thought, well, well, Beardsley guy, he's, he's a good, he's running. And so I, you know, just so happened. I, the next week I'd put in about 80 and then I think you would see that and go, geez, that Dunlap guy wrote it, ran 80 <laughs> and we had never met yet. And so no. I, I, then the next week I noticed, well, after I did my 80, he would up his game to like 85 miles. And I thought, well, son of a gun, you know, cause I was always having the top miles for the week usually. And so I would just, you know, for some reason, maybe get 90 the next week. And then you'd look at that. And well, I, I think people are probably getting the idea how this was working, you know, and we had this little, I didn't know you. I just knew you by your reputation, but I thought, wow, this guy is not afraid to run. And he loves to run. It looks like as much as me and he's doing the miles and I'd call it a friendly rivalry. We, oh. we, we started competing with each other. We hadn't even met each other yet. And it wasn't a competition. It was just summer mileage. No. But I, but I think we were kind of holding each other like, oh, we'll see if he can match this sort of Done. thing. I think you hit the nail on the head. And I remember, you know, when Coach Underwood sent me those cards. And then I so looked forward to that newsletter. Because now you got to remember, the only person I knew on the NDSU cross-country team was Coach Underwood. I had never met any of my, you know, soon-to-be teammates. And so I, I kind of got to know them a little bit just through the weekly mileage cards sure. and the newsletter that Coach Underwood would send out every, you know, every week. And I remember I remember thinking the same thing as you. I'm thinking, gosh, this Dunlap guy, man, he, he's, he <laughs> likes to run. And a lot of miles, just like me. And, and I was, you know, I, I was so looking forward to meeting everybody but yeah. especially this guy, Mike Dunlap, who I'd never heard of before. <laughs> that's, that's a, and vice versa. And so, you know, that newsletter really was something. I Jay did it my freshman, sophomore. Undy just kept it going my junior, my senior year. You know, I don't know how long. I don't know if they even I loved it. it. You know, I, but now with with smartphones and computers, I you know. can just email it in. But it was, you know, this was the, we use postcards. Right. And, uh, you know, and if, in a, in, in all honesty, you know, it was on the honor system. And so if you had a bad week and you goofed off and you, you know, didn't really run much, you know, I think it was pretty hard to put down that. Yeah. Gee, I averaged maybe, tw I did 30 miles, three, four miles a day this week, coach, you know, and all your teammates would see this. So we, I shouldn't say this about Jeff Herman. But, but we had a joke, the running joke about Jeff. Jeff was a great guy. He was such a good humored fella, but I think he was known to embellish his summer miles. And, <laughs> and, and the, 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 the thing on our team was whatever Jeff told you he ran this summer per week, just cut it in half. <laughs> you know? and, so, and then Jeff, I apologize. If you ever hear this, I, I I'm not throwing you. He's under probably the bus. laughing right now. I, I hope so. I think he would be, I think he would be. Well, you know, so the summer coming to an end and we, you know, I, I love going back to campus you know, I got to admit, I school, I wasn't there for the academics either, Dick. I really wanted to run and, and see how far I could go with my running. But since I was there and, and um, going to school and I was a, a HPER, a phys ed major, you know, I kind of figured that's a great major to go into because I like sports. And right. you know, maybe someday that'd be great to be a coach, you know, and helping kids get into sports and stuff. And so it's not one of the harder majors you can go into. But I look forward to going back to school. And so we always had the first official night back. I think it was probably the Sunday before classes and re registration on Monday or whatever. We'd get together at the HPR center. Coach Underwood have a room reserved and the, the team would gather and it'd be kind yep. of a chance for him to hand out. We always had our workouts were all re pre-written. You got a schedule of this is the workouts we're going to be doing. And then a, a race schedule, you know, we'd kind of have that finalized, which races are we going to go to? If there were any new runners on the team, like Dick Beardsley, they were going to get introduced and have a chance to kind of connect with everybody. And so this is my impression. And I'm going to let you say, Dick, okay. you know, so, so we're there and I'm the team captain and it's Mike and Mark Bills. We're like best buddies and Joel and Paul Brandt and Ken Cezado. We've all been together now for two, three years. And sitting in the back is this guy that we didn't even know who, you know, really what he, we didn't know what you looked like. No. We've never seen a photo of you before, but you know, I was sitting up in the front row and we were all jabbering away and somebody goes, yeah, that's, 
That's Beardsley back there. And I, I kind of looked over my sh- I think we all kind of at one time all turned and looked at you. Yeah, I was sitting by myself <laughs> yeah. in the corner. And, and you know, and we thought, well, eh, he looks he looks like he's fit. You know, sort of thing. And, and nobody really, you know, it's not like, I feel bad. It's not like any one of us went back there and said, hey, why don't you come up sit in the front row with us? No, not one of you did. There, no, Don. we didn't. We were too <laughs> self. We were all just having fun seeing our old buddies. Our right, old I don't teammates. blame you. And so... Um, and so Undy went through his little talk, you know, and I can't remember what he said, but he, he gave us out our workouts and, and, uh, you know, told us, here's your race schedules and, and, you know, kind of talked about, I have, I have no memory after that of what he did, but the meeting was kind of rolling to an end. I'm sure you were introduced and probably stood up and waved or something like that. And ever and the, and everybody kind of was like, okay, well, we'll see if we're going to be running out of Brown Hall tomorrow morning, like we always did at 630 in the morning. And, and everybody gathered there, we'll see you then. And I thought, well, I'm going to go back and see this Beardsley guy and just kind of welcome him on the team. And I turned around and you were gone. I mean, I, I don't, don't remember that. Oh my gosh. It's like the door, all we saw was the door <laughs> flapping in the wind. It's like you booked out of there so fast. And I kind of hightailed it out of there and I caught you. On that hypercenter, remember that big clock, that digital clock, which yes. was like really futuristic in the 1970s. Right underneath that big digital clock, you're about ready to d- head down the steps there. And I go, "Hey, Beardsley," and you stopped. I go, "Hey, Beards, I'm Mike Dunlap," and I we shook hands. And and I, you know, I kind of don't remember everything, but I said, "Dick, we're really happy to have you on the team. We're looking forward to you know running with you because I wanted you to know." You know, because I put myself in your place. I thought, man, to be the new guy here, right? No, no one. And we're all up there slapping each other on the back, you know, high-fiving each other because we're all old buddies getting back together again. And and so when you had disappeared like that, I felt kind of bad about it. It's like, oh, And it, felt, it, it did feel a little awkward for me. I felt out of place just because I didn't know anybody. And, and again, like you were saying earlier, Dan, you know, these are all – Guys, we haven't, you know, teammates we hadn't seen probably all summer, or yeah, most of yeah, them, and they, then all of a sudden we're getting back and we're, you know, talking about things we did during the summer, and, and I'm the new kid on the block, and, and I'm not one that, you know, I'm still this way. I'm not one that'll go up and, hey, hey, you know who I am? I'm Dick Beardsley. I'm just not one of those no, kind of you, people. No, you didn't take it, you weren't assertive. Like, no. Gee, what a shocker, a distance runner who's not assertive. <laughs> I mean, Prefontaine was the only assertive runner right. I've ever heard of in my life. So, you know, Dick's like, and, and that's probably maybe why we kind of like, oh, we're not going to make a big thing about this. We don't want to make the guy feel like he's some, some weirdo. But I have to admit, when you disappeared that quick, I ran out. <laughs> I, so the, I wanted to find you before you dis, you know went back to your dorm or whatever. And, and I'm glad we did because then we had a little chance to at least connect. And, and I probably said, and you probably said, yep, see you tomorrow morning. We'll, we'll go for that run. And then I don't know if you want to go the rest of that later that day. So, you know, the first day of college is, or two, it's registration. There's no classes. No. So it's really very relaxed. Everybody's milling around campus. People are kind of making, you know, seeing their old classmates. And, you know, we're always looking for girls. You know, the girls <laughs> are looking for boys. And and um, so we did that run that first morning. And, and uh, I, we have some photos I'm going to be posting on our website Um how we got, I don't remember who the photographer was. It might've been that gal who took our picture running in Brookings, but we had a photographer out there just taking some shots for the school paper of right. the SDSU cross country team, you know, getting their early season workouts in. And it's some, it's some pretty good shots of a huge group of guys running down the road and you're in there and I'm in there. And, uh, and um, so later that morning or that day, my girlfriend, who's not my wife, Karen, we're, we're just, I don't even remember. We we're driving downtown for some reason, maybe to go have lunch or something. And who do we see walking down the sidewalk <laughs> heading downtown? Cause the campus sits on the edge, the Northeast side of the, the city of Brookings. And, and it's about a mile or two down to downtown. We see, I go like, that looks like Dick Beardsley walking down the sidewalk. <laughs> so I, I, I ease the car over to the side where, you know, along the curb and, and Dick kind of looked like, who is this? You know, and, and my girlfriend, wife, Karen, rolled down the window. I go, hey, Beardsley. I said, what are you doing? And he goes, <laughs> he goes, well, I just going downtown. He says, I got to buy some pencils. <laughs> and I said, and I'm thinking pencils, all right. I said, he probably needs a pencil. I said, well, well, hop in. I said, we'll give you a lift. And he goes, oh, no, no, no. He said, you guys are out having fun. I don't want to, you know, interrupt or, you know, interfere in your, right. whatever you guys are doing. And I, I quote, I, I said, shut up and get in the car. 
you know, because it was like, oh, come on, Beards, get in the car. And like, as I tell people to this day, he got in the car and he never got out. <laughs> He's still in our car with us. But anyway, Beard slid in. My wife, Karen, sitting in between. And here's the three musketeers from that point on. And I don't remember, but from that moment, we bonded at that point. And yeah, we pretty much we, have been well best done. We since. did. And, you know, this kind of, there was something about, I mean, I I made really good friends with you know, all the other teammates, but there was something about Don that him and I, there was just something special that, that just kind of, we did, we kind of bonded right away. And, you know, as, you know, as years later, as we both got married, had kids, I mean, I, you know, I, I held each one of Mike and Karen's kids in my arms the first oh, couple sure. of days after they were born. And remember for, for years and years, my first wife, Mary and I, we would every, remember every New Year's Eve, we oh, always, 14, what, 20 I years? It was, I it was 14. I think 14. I went back with, for 14 New Year's Eves in a row, starting at SDSU in 1978, the 78 to 79 right. New Year's Eve, we stayed, we were together uh, the, and, and you were dating Mary at that time, right. your, your first wife. And, and for 14 consecutive New Year's Eves, <laughs> we spent it together, you know, as, as two couples. And, and then as the kids came along, the really goofy thing is when we got farther apart, like you were way over in Minnesota. I was out on the west side of North right. Dakota. So we'd meet in Fargo for New Year's Eve. We'd get yep. a hotel with adjoining rooms. And because our kids were so young, we couldn't leave them in a room by themselves. While we were, you know, because we were making noise and playing Uno or Skippo or whatever we were doing. So we'd, we'd take the honking door, the adjoining door that, you know, you have two doors so you can go from one room to the other. We'd take the doors off the hinges so the kids could just, you know, we didn't want them getting, yes. hurt, getting their fingers in the doors or something. We'd actually just pop the hinges off and let the kids. So we had two, like a suite, you know, in this in this Motel Six or whatever we were staying in. Yeah, the, whatever the cheapest we could find. The cheapest we could stay in, <laughs> and so and, and we just have a, a just a great time, you know. And you and I would usually get out and go for a run and yep. and uh, and all that. And so, um, yeah, you know, that first meeting. Got, you know, it was good and uh, it's, it's never really stopped. You know, we, uh, before we even had that first meeting that, that Sunday night, the, uh, we had a really good fan named Don Aaron. Don was a right. friend of Mike and Mark Bills who, he was just a great booster. I mean, he was a, he was a guy who just loved running. He was a photographer and he, uh, he had followed the Bills brothers through their high school career. And now he was following him in SDSU and he was just a great booster. He had a cabin at a lake and he invited the whole team up there that Sunday and I remember I've got pictures of me water skiing because the bills are great water skiers. Done. And, Excuse me for interrupting, yeah. but that was before we had our first team yes. meeting, right? Yes, exactly. Yes. And so I was hanging out with Karen, my girlfriend, and I was late to go to this team. It was a social and you got to come. I don't know if Undy brought you down or something. I think so. You had to get back to campus because as a resident assistant, you had some meetings you had to attend. Right. Like learning how to keep a lid on all these freshman boys in your all-male dorm and stuff. And so That could be a whole podcast in <laughs> that's, itself. That's another story <laughs> for another day. And, uh, but the, the whole point is I got there and you had just left. So I was going to go get to meet Dick Beersley for the first time at this at this uh, lake at this you know um, just at a social gathering with food and stuff and I pull in there and and they go and Joel Brandt Joel I remember Joel goes hey Don he goes you just miss Beersley he goes Don you're gonna love him he's just like you <laughs> and I kind of thought what he goes you guys could be brothers and people have actually mistaken right. us for brothers on more than what and so. You know, a lot of people, they'll learn this over time. We had th two sets of twins on our cross-country team. Mike and Mark Bills were identical twins, and they were outstanding runners, All-Americans and all that. And, and a lot of people to this day still have trouble telling them apart. I, I, I figured that out pretty quick. Then we had two other a set of brothers, the Paul, the Brant boys, Joel and Paul Brant. And they were twins. Right. And I, I still, I can still, I finally got to where I could tell them apart. Well, then you and I showed up at, at some races and they called us the Dunley twins, the Dunley twins, because and, half and, of my name and half of your name. Yeah. And, and done. And I tell you what, I look at some of the pictures when we, we both had a lot longer hair than what we do right now. And, <laughs> and some of those team photos. And I've had people say, which one is are that you? Your, is that your brother? <laughs> yeah. And I mean, honestly it, and then the neat thing is, 
you know, my birthday is March 21st. Mike's is March, March 20th, 20th, but we're, we're a year apart. apart. I'm yeah, a year you're, older. You're, you're, you're my big brother. Which yeah, exactly. Brother. But we're a year and a day apart is all. So yes. we could have been in just the, we could have been twins. I know. Anyway. And so, um, yeah, just some really great, I mean, positive vibes right from the get go. You know, and I don't think it's a big secret. And people are probably sick. Oh, they're probably puking right now hearing about, oh, these guys are having a bromance or something. Is that what they call it? No. <laughs> well, it kind of was, I guess. Kinda, I guess so. I really did. I liked you as a person, as a, a teammate. And, uh, you know, um, moving on then, I've always said this. You know, Dick and I started running together. You know, we always ran morning runs together. We did workouts together all through college. And, and, and to, all through our running careers, I've told many people this. I said, whenever Dick and I run together, the run just flows. Yes. It, it just seems like it's such a positive experience that, you know, psychologically, I mean, let's be honest. We all have those runs, you know, by ourselves or with some other guys, you're out with a group and you're running and you're like, man, I just not feeling it today. You know, I can't wait for this run to get over with. But then I don't think, I don't ever no. remember you and I running together <laughs> Ever having a bad run? No, if I did, I never had one. If you did, you, I never did either. You hit it very well, and I can't explain that. You know, I'm not gonna. You know, why is it whenever we ran together, we just we just really enjoyed each other's company, and it really created a real positive environment, and it just our runs just flowed. And in some runs, we chit chat the whole way, and sometimes we wouldn't say a word to each other. And I, I did probably tell people this a little secret about you, Dick, that I don't know if they know. You're probably one of the nicest people I've ever met. You know, and you haven't changed a bit. You know, I, I always like to tell people I knew Dick Beardsley before he became famous. And, you know, and, and that's kind of a cool thing because, and again, I'm not trying to shine your halo here or anything, but, you know, success can change people, you know, and, and you know, elite athletes sometimes have a reputation, and I've seen it, you know, where they kind of come across as they, they kind of put on airs. Sure. You know, where they, they and I, I really hate that because it's like, look, bud, you put your pant legs on one leg at a time, just like I do. And yes, you've been gifted with the ability and you've worked hard and you've, you deserve to be um, well respected for performances, but don't make anybody better than anybody else. No, and done. You know, I've said this many times, just because at one point years ago, I could put one foot in front of the other, maybe a little quicker than most other people. <laughs> Quite a bit quicker. You okay. or somebody else can do something else a lot better than I can. What? And I remember as my running kind of took off, and I know we're getting off the page here a little bit, but you know, when I got to that level where I was able to compete all over the place, and I remember and had a little bit of a success, I remember people trying to put me up on a pedestal, and I never would let that happen yeah. now, because it's just not who I am. No, and, and, I, and I remember too, and I think you and I – I've lost more races and I've won a lot of races and you've won a lot of right. races, but beards, I've lost more races than I've ever Me won. Me too. Oh, Absolutely. I think every runner, there's no runner who's got a 50 plus percent win streak going out. I, I might be wrong there. There might be some, some of these Kenyan guys. Well, the guy who has the world record in the marathon. Kipchoge. Yeah. He hasn't lost what one now. Is well, no, he's lost three now. And he, okay. you know, he finished ninth at, at uh, Boston yeah, this year. So, I mean, so that, nobody's, if anybody oh, thinks they're yeah. invincible, invincible, they're they're the marathon especially has a way of humbling people <laughs> very time. quickly. Oh, running in general, I right? Mean, running and it's kind of like the old days with the with the with the gunfighters. You're going to run into that guy who's just that little bit faster <laughs> exactly. than you are. And, and you, well, that's pretty serious. But anyway, no, I've, and I really do appreciate that about you because you haven't ever changed, and definitely not towards me. And, you know, and that's, I think that's commendable because a lot of times things get in people's head and they think whatever they think and it changes them and not right. always for the better, not always for right. the better. I agree. Well, anyway, you know, um, some of the things, you know, as putting this podcast together, one of the things we always want to talk about a little bit is, is about our training, uh, you know, training principles, if you would. And, and I know Dick and I kind of came out of the same mold. I think, you know, the SDSU mold and Dick, you can jump in and you've tweaked your training, I'm sure, over the years. I really never didn't. I pretty much followed what we did at SDSU through pretty my high career. mileage. High mileage, you know, if yeah. I didn't run 100 miles a week, it was kind of was, right. Something didn't seem quite right. But I did find my upper limit was around 120. You know, there is kind of maybe that point where you, you got to kind of be careful there. Yes. It's like you're sharpening a razor's edge and you want that edge really sharp because you can cut through, you know, lots of stuff that way. But man, you just go a little too much and you can, you can, you know, what, break the edge or chip right. it or whatever. And, uh, and that's when the injuries and the illnesses come in. 
Uh, at the same time, I never wanted to walk away from a race and going, well, if I would have trained better, I probably could have done better. I just, I, that didn't set right with me, you know, as far as like, if you went to a race, I wanted to be able to say, well, up at that point in time, I was as, as, as good as I could be, you know, and I guess and I'm done. To, you and were, I know I you mean, the same way. You never, like, I, I just, I think I'll skip a workout today. No. I'm going to take today off for no other reason than I want to hang out with my friends. Right. Neither mm-hmm. you or I, I, I can't talk to the other guys right. on our team because I didn't know them as well and as close as I've always been with you. But, you know, that's one thing. If, if we had a tendency to probably want to do too much, too much. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, and thinking driven. that a little bit more is going to make us a little bit better. And to a certain point, that's probably true. But then, like you were saying, you get to a certain point and then you're not getting the returns on the effort you're putting in. Well, your body's got to absorb it and adapt. And if you don't have enough recovery, you know, it's a a simple training principle. But when you're young and full of, uh, you're a young (laughs) buck, as you'd like to say, you pretty much think you're invincible. But, you know, so, but I think the consistency was key. Um, you know, I know that year that before you came, I looked at it the other day, we had 91 days that you could have ran. And for some reason, Dick, I've never really questioned you on this. You missed one. Did I, I really? You, you ran 90 out of 91 days. And so I, I was a little disappointed by that. No, I'm kidding you. I, I don't must know have if broke anybody, my leg or something. Yeah, no, <laughs> Took I, a day off. <laughs> you might've had the flu throwing up. I ran 88 out of 91 days and I can't explain to you why, why did you miss three days? I might've been out picking up like about 2000 hay bales a couple right. of days. Cause we were farming and, and when they had the hay had to be brought in before the storm came, you, you'd be up there oh, yeah. at sunrise to sunset. And you probably were justified not to go for a run that day after doing that. I hear you. But I mean, if there's, there was really no reason not to run, I was running. And uh, I think the thing was too, you know, and I know coach Squires, what did he always say about 20 milers? You, you know, the saying, right? They put the, what they put the tiger in the what tank. Was- Oh, I yeah. think Coach Squires, the yeah. 20 milers, the long run puts the tiger in the tank. Oh, I, I love he, my long runs. I know, me too. You know, and, and we started doing them at SDSU as an 18-year-old freshman. I remember my first one, Jeff Herman, Randy Fisher, Russ Strandy, Bob Barley. So we'd run with the Prairie Strider guys. And the nice thing about that was, and I'm not trying to sound, they'd hold us back from running too fast. Right. Because, you know, Jay really impressed upon us. And I think you know, the hard, easy principle is not that hard to grasp. If you're going to run hard one day and your body's going to have to recover from that effort, you can run the next day, but you don't, you want it to be easy. Right. Now, easy is relative. You know, running easy with Dick Beardsley. I remember we did a 20 miler out <laughs> in Wisconsin one time and I was in pretty good shape and you were in really good shape. And he said, done, we're doing a 20 miler today. Coach Squires wants me to do six minute pace, but every minute we're going to pick it up. Like to I tempo, remember that. You know, pick it up. And you had a watch that you could program it that would beep every six minutes and then it would beep every one minute. So it's not like you had to keep staring at the watch. Right. You just go by the beep. So we're over in these woods in Wisconsin, 20 some miles, not a living soul in sight. And we'd boat across the St. Croix River, which was kind of uh, cool. And uh, I remember thinking, holy smokes. If Dick drops me out in these woods, I'll be out here. They'll never find me. No. They'll have to look for the vultures circling in the sky to find the, my remains. But, you know, I was, I was fit enough. And, 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 you know, during that six-minute mile, felt pretty good. That one minute was always a bit of a challenge. But I could just kind of drift off the back of your shoulder. You know, the minute would go by, and it's like, whoo, I'm glad that's over. Oh, and done. Those go, were the days. They were. And then we'd go back. And, you know, and I, it sounds we could run that six-minute pace and, com- and converse. It was, it was I know. aerobic. But he just wanted you to change gears. You know, you change right. gears every mile, which was really made that 20-miler fun. It, and that's it, what I loved about, yeah, you know, those 20-milers I did when I got out of college and got hooked up with Coach Squires. Again, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but you, it wasn't just going out and running the mileage. You know, it was basically you're 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 moving back and forth the whole time. The pace is changing up because that way, when you got into a race, somebody makes a surge. You know, the 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 better runners, right. guys and gals, can go for you know maybe two or three surges, but you start throwing in a fourth or fifth or a sixth one. <laughs> that's where up. you get yeah. people hurting you know and 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 if anybody's listening now you got to remember dick's level of performance you know and i well as as starting out runners 
we would keep that 20 miler totally and Jay's whole thing. And, you know, I'm an exercise physiologist, so I should be able to explain this to you. But, you know, we have uh, our body is it adapts. And we all remember it in biology science class, the mitochondria. You had to be able to spell it <laughs> correctly. And they always called them the power cells of a muscle. You know, what is it that caused that little spark to fire that lets the muscle contract? And the more of those little devils you got, the more power you got, the more energy you got, more efficient you got, the longer you can go. It's kind of like me with my e-bike. <laughs> I bought me a spare battery. So if I'm out on a long run and I'm thinking, man, my battery's about dead, I'll just throw another battery on here. So that's what a marathoner wants to develop is the ability to carry right. more batteries, which are these mitochondria. Plus, you know, you got to get the oxygen into the muscles. You got to get the bad stuff, the carbon dioxide. Yeah, I always say <laughs> exercise physiology 101. Air goes in and out. Muscles go back and forth. <laughs> you know, right. It, it, blood goes round and round. You know, it's pretty simple. But we need to get as much oxygen in and as much carbon dioxide out as fast as we can. And so we develop what they call capillaries. It's like little blood vessels that, you know, you develop. Your body says, wow, this guy or gal keeps doing this. We need to get better at, become, we want to become more efficient, a more efficient animal. And so it adapts and we start developing more blood circulation, these capillaries. We develop more mitochondria. And then the enzymes that convert everything into energy, this ATP they call it, it's, it's this whole, it's like a factory and everything gets doubled up. Well, the best way to grow capillaries and to grow mitochondria is long, slow distance. You know, if you do speed work, it's a whole different set of uh, circumstances with lactate and, and this neuromuscular pathways. And it gets a little bit complicated, but not really. Running is not that complicated of a sport. And so I learned this early on going to those running camps up at, at South Dakota State with Jay Dirksen and all these great coaches. Is they said, look, you want to build your base, building those capillaries and building those mitochondria. Now, how many of those things you get is, I think a lot of it is genetic. Now, you, you know, there's some discussion about this to this day. You know, how much of it is talent and how much of it is darn hard work? Yeah. Because you know, if you apply yourself, you're going to see adaptations occur. But they've done lots of studies with human beings and they'll find that some people are what they call high adapters. Uh, Dick, you may, are, you know, and we're, it's an opinion. It's a, it's a right. hypothesis. Dick is a high adapter. You know, Dick came in and in high school, Dick trained, but you were doing what in high school, Dick? 20, 30 miles a week, 30, Yeah, 40? probably yeah. something like that. Yeah, you know, with a couple days of some kind of intervals that you probably right. just ran your guts out for a mile or so. And anyway, and then you get to SDSU and we're, we're, we're doing the long runs, but we're also doing some high intensity, you know, tempo runs, hill training, you know, long I intervals, preparing for the races we're going to do. And you developed, you know, you were a, a top level division two, cross-country runner let's be honest about this neither one of us were top division one level runners no we would have had a hard time making a varsity team at the uni well the university of minnesota maybe i don't know in those days but i mean we'd be barely scraping by to hanging be sixth, on sixth or seventh man because they would get some of these guys that were training in high school maybe just like we were but man they they had they they had this ability to their bodies adapted at a very high rate now, you would, a lot of people refer to you as a late bloomer. Right. Because the more, you know, it took you a little while, your body kept adapting, where a lot of us probably kind of hit a ceiling, you know, and, and that's the thing, though. What's your ceiling? And you're never going to find out if you don't apply yourself and give those genetics a chance to, what's the word, expose themselves. Or totally, Mike. I remember, you know, back in my days after college when I was kind of moving up the ladder, you know, I would run between a between a 120 to 140 miles a week <laughs> and i remember one time i thought well maybe 140 a week i felt you know felt strong so i remember one week i i hit 155 or 160 oh my gosh that was way over yeah. and and i it, and it wasn't like i ran 140 miles a week for 12 months out of the year i would do a build up period for a few months during the winter time, just to, you know, in Minnesota, it's lots of ice and snow and it's hard to do anything quick. So I basically for, you know, four months or so, I would basically just 
put on lots of miles and get strong. And then when the springtime would come, my cardiovascular system, my muscular system was all set to go. And then I could handle the faster yeah. speed work. And then I cut my mileage down to like maybe 120. Well, that's the, you know, and so the key is laying that foundation, that aerobic base, right. if you would, you know, and, and there's, there's so many training books out there. There's so many programs and there's, they're all, they, they, they all can work. I think the key is, you know, uh, is consistency is being smart about it, you know, um, and yet some, you know, some programs work better for, you know, some guys can get away with a lot of long, slow distance. And I remember there was a guy, um, I can't think of his name right now. He's a really good marathoner. Basically he said, the only speed work I do is races. You know, he'd, he'd run a lot. He'd run a hundred to 120 miles a week comfortably, you know, aerobically, but about once a week, he'd enter a 10 K, a 15 K. And, you know, he, he, as we used to say, would blow the, the, the carbon out or the, the carburetor or whatever it is. And, uh, that's all he needed. Now, some runners, you know, would, would not be successful doing, you know, limited, uh, I guess you'd call it, uh, you know, speed work, but, you know, Steve Jones, a famous marathoner, world record holder, he supposedly was noted for running no more than about 70 miles a week. And that was in the late eighties. He came on and won Chicago. I can't remember the exact date, but outstanding athlete from great Britain, uh, set the world record. And so a lot of runners were like, wow, 70, but high quality miles, that might be the way to go. So we saw, you know, some shifts in training principles over the years. It's kind of funny how what goes around comes around because Lydiard, who started all this back in the sixties with Peter Snell and right. all these great New Zealand runners, it kind of sounds like a lot of these Kenyans and stuff. They do a lot. They do quite a few miles. Done. I look at the, what, what we're what a lot of the top athletes are doing now, like you know the African East African runners. They're doing a lot of the things that we were doing forty plus years ago. Yeah, a lot of know, high mileage and some yeah. pretty pretty intense days thrown in there too. Oh, even um, I'm trying to think of uh, Ingelbritsen, who's outstanding middle distance runner. People said you would be amazed to know the volume that he, this guy, I don't think hundred mile weeks plus are not, you know, he's a miler five K he could probably run 10 K at, I know he could at a world-class level. Oh yeah. His range is, is, is kind of almost beyond belief, but you know, he, they, he holds his training pretty close to the vest at that level. You kind of want to, what works. Oh, and we should mention he's from Norway. Yeah. He's from Norway and he's the Olympic gold medalist at 1500 meters. Uh, at guy's a stud. Yeah. He is, you know, you talk about gifted. He, he at age twelve, he was training, and with the mentality of being a world class runner. Now that just seems, a, you know, his family promoted that. And if you ever get bored, go on YouTube and put in the Ing team Ingelbritsen, and it was actually a, a series that they recorded in Norway that was on public television over there. Was kind of like the Kardashians here. <laughs> I am not making this up. They had I believe the Ingelbritsons. They followed the family behind the scenes and in That's their training. That's kind of cool. It is. I got a, I got hooked to it. Cause they're, they're a very group, great group of people, great, great family. And, and the dad would just be a nervous wreck. The dad coached these guys and he would just be a nervous wreck at the races. I the bet. guys were like, Hey dad, it'll be okay. You know, we've done our training. And if they didn't run well, they, they, they took it in stride. Dad had a hard time handling, you know, disappointment and stuff. But well, you know, Beards, this is a, it, this has been a fun way, you know, get, I think, you know, I love talking about training and I know you do too. And everybody does have differing opinions. I don't think you should see, this is Mike's opinion here. Dick would do 20 milers doing tempo. You do some pretty intense timed miles oh, during a 20 mile absolutely, run. Absolutely. Yeah. And then you'd, you'd back off and maybe drop your heart rate back into that aerobic zone for several miles. But it wasn't going to stay there. It wasn't a long, slow, no. steady run. No, never and were. That's that's unique, and and it might be a, a key to part of your success. I I wouldn't argue that at all because you had it. Where I know as an exercise physiologist, I want to let my body you know adapt in my aerobic zone with long, steady runs, totally aerobic. I'm not going to because when you switch gears, again, Dick, you're not normal <laughs> well i've never <laughs> been normal <laughs> i mean physically physically physiologically you've got some gifts you know because i have struggled with this I and mean, this will be a topic maybe for another day because we're getting a little long here but um you know and i i have this personal question why did dick beardsley run a 208 marathoner and he loved running and he he's a passion about it and mike dunlap ran a 218 and i'm not saying that's not good i'm very proud of my effort but man, that's 10 minutes, bud. And you know, in the marathon, that's yeah. about two miles. Right. You're finishing the race. 
I'm back there and well, not back in Wesley with the college girls quite, but you know, I'm back, <laughs> I'm back on the road with a couple miles to go and I'm running the race of my life. And, you know, people sometimes wonder about that. They go, well, why? And, well, it's, I, I don't think it's that how many people get to that level of world-class or it's a small minority. And I think there's some genetic adaptations that Has to be. people are gifted with. Um, but how do you know if you've got those or not if you never give their body a chance for those genetics to manifest themselves? Absolutely. How many four-minute milers never set foot on a track if they would have gotten direction and guidance and motivation they might have become, you know, who knows how good of athlete. And you could say that about basketball, football, tennis, and lots really, of sports. Well, you could say it about anything, anything done in any and life, that's, yeah. Well, and that's where, you know, there were times when, you know, you want to maybe just hang it up. and, and <laughs> but, but then you don't want to look back at our ages now. You know, I'm 67, and, you're 66. And, and, and with regrets, of, gosh, why didn't I give it a shot? Why didn't I try? Because the only time you fail is when... You, you don't, don't try. Yeah. The only quitter is the one who never tries. Yeah. If you try and fail, I I I, I oh, admire that. I you do know, too. If it's it's and there's a great uh, oh article I'll post it on our website from Teddy Roosevelt about uh, the 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 guy in the arena. It's that's the name of it. The man in the arena or man or woman in the arena, because what he basically says is you know there's a lot of people that are spectators, and they'll complain about the performance of the the man in the arena. You know, he failed and they're, they're disappointed in that and all this. And they, and he says, that's the guy who knows he's tasted life. You know, sitting in the stands, you haven't tasted that. You know, John, you got to send me that article. Oh, it is fantastic. It gives me goosebumps and I'll, I'll, we'll put it on our website. Good. And uh, it's, it's inspirational to me. In fact, I, a friend of ours, Jenny Stenson, sent that to me. Uh, and as, as people are going to hear about this. I tried to do the race across America several years ago and Dick was there on my crew and stuff. And I failed. It was a successful failure, you know, because I, I trained, I prepared, we did everything we thought we could do right. And, and it didn't turn out the way I hoped. And I wasn't able to complete the event. And, you know, as a kind of a motivated, passionate, uh, I'm a success oriented kind of person. That was really hard, but people like yourself and everybody said, you know, never, never hang your head. You know, uh -uh. You, if you, if you step on that starting line, and you've prepared as best as you could, and it doesn't give you the result you were hoping for, but you gave it your best effort. What's the issue? What, what's the problem? And, and, and uh, Jenny sent me that. And when I read it, it really helped me recalculate, you know, my goals and how I feel about things. You know, as a runner, I, I just would have a hard time going to bed right now saying, gee, I wonder how good I could have Ben, if I would have trained like Dick Beardsley did, we were teammates together and I, we were not that different. I beat Dick in a few races. I want everybody right. to know that in college. I don't think, I know for a fact it never happened after college. And I'm not, a, I'm not ashamed of that at all. Cause getting beat by Dick Beardsley, a lot of people can say, Ben there done that. But anyway, um, I, I haven't lost a wink of sleep because I, I, you know, trained pretty much at a high level for approximately um, 12 years. And I, I got to a place where I said, wow, I, I really can't see me doing it. I was at age 26 and uh, we did that hour run. I did 12 five minute miles. And I gotta be honest with you, Dick, at the end of that 12, that hour run, I was toast. And I, but man, I was happy. I, and I actually, it was just 80 yards short of 12 miles. I know. I like to round it up those 80 it, it yards. It was 12. 80 yards. I must have drifted out of the curb at least 80 yards. Yeah, on, for sure. Of 48 laps. But anyway, you know, it was pretty much like, okay, I, I just ran a 211 marathon pace for not even half the distance on a rubberized track under pretty good conditions. Now you might say, yeah, but Mike, every, yeah, every race is different, but it, you know, that really, I, I am proud of that effort. It's probably my best effort I ever put in on a, on a, on a race. That was really... a, that was a great afternoon that we did that oh, in and, yeah. and done as we're getting ready to wrap up here. I, I just want to let listeners know we will down the road here, do a podcast and talk exclusively to Dunn about his race across America. Oh because yeah. That's an adventure. I'm going to start, I'm <laughs> going to start choking up here because I've never seen anybody put so much effort into his training and put so much into a race. I mean, I was inspired by it. I, I was toast 
and I was just <laughs> being on the crew. I didn't have to ride a bike. It was, but Dunny, well, it was all, it was a, it was a great experience. Even though it didn't turn out the way I'd hoped, I have. Oh, I sleep like a baby at night, Dick. I never. If I wouldn't have done that event, and always thought, man, I wish I would have. And I, I know two people. I'm not going to mention their names. They're good friends of mine, and you know them. And neither one of them, they could have been sub 220 marathoners. I believe it, and they believe it. They never did it because they never. They never tried it. And years later, as we get older and, you know, we start looking back at things. Gee, I wonder if I would have tried. And there's never an age that you're out of the woods. I mean, I don't care if you're 80 years old and you set a goal to run a 5K, a 10K, a half marathon or a full marathon. There's no reason not to try. No. You know, no. I mean, given health issues and things like right. that. But I know of two runners who regret it. And I feel bad for them. And it's okay. Life goes on. The fact they didn't run a marathon. But in the back of their mind, they always are kind of thinking, I wonder if I could have. And I think they could have. And uh, they kind of think they could have. But could have is kind of not where you want to be. You want to say, I gave it my best. Yes. And, that's, and here's, here's the result I got. And I feel great about that. And um, I hope a lot of people you know, that listen to this will take a little inspiration from that. If you get nothing else out of listening to us, I feel like Dick, and I'd like to think, I know I, I've really tried to maximize every opportunity I had. And I over, and Dick, had, you admitted it, we've kind of, we're our own worst enemies uh, because we did have that passion and that desire. We probably needed that person to step in and go, okay, you guys are doing awesome. But guess what? We're going to take a week now and back it off a, a notch or two. That didn't compute really well for neither one of us. No. Let's, let's back it off. Dick is one of the few athletes I know of who ran a world-class marathon and three weeks later did another one. You know, most yeah. people run a marathon and, you know, Jack Foster, the greatest New Zealand runner said, you should take a day of recovery for every mile that you race. So if you do a 10 K six mile, you should take a week, basically just let your body kind of recover from that hard effort. Well, a marathon, well, you can do the math. That's a month. Beard's got it ran to two, two, 12 marathons within three weeks of each other because <laughs> he could not. Do it. He just could not. I, three days later, I was back training hard again. I know, I know it. And so, um, well, you know, we can is, go on. We Listen. could. And tell you what, let's let's cut it off here. And you know, we kind of got through um, SDSU. You got there. We were training our minds out, and we're going to come back next, and we're going to talk a little bit about the SDSU days before we get into this, you know, crazy marathon lifestyle we eventually developed. And because there's some really fun and unique aspects to that that our my senior year your junior year at SDSU it was probably for me I don't know about for yourself Dick one of the most significant years of my life I I mean meeting you my wife and I were dating we eventually became engaged and been and are now married um you know my running career at that point was was developing and I think being hanging out with you even took it up a notch another level and um we're going to talk about some of those races, some of the quirky, weird things that you and I. It'll you know, be fun. You put, you put the two of us in a room together or in a situation, something unique will uh, emerge out of the other side eventually. A absolutely. And folks, we just want to say a big thanks to all of you for listening. If you have any questions for Dunn and myself or comments about the show, you can contact us directly at our website, beardsanddunpod.com. Or leave us a comment on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, all at Beards and Done Pod. If you're watching this on YouTube, because I watch a lot of YouTube, and they, you know what they always say? Hey, give us a like, give us a comment, and, and then subs subscribe. Because if you subscribe, you'll get a notice whenever these things come up online. And if you're in the mood, you can click it or download it, and you'll have it right there at your fingertips. And then we'll talk next week, buddy. Okay, bud. You have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay,